families from our old church that we love. But I, what I want to do is I just want to pray. I think it's a good thing to pray for, right? Pray for our soldiers and just honor those people as we begin today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for uh, the families that today are remembering their loved ones who have served overseas and given their life. And on this Memorial Day, we honor them. We honor their families. And as even as I did uh, for my grandfather growing up as a kid, every Memorial Day, taking flowers to his grave on Memorial Day, Lord, we thank you. Uh, and we recognize the seed and the sacrifice for freedom. And Jesus, we know at the end of the day, you're the seed for freedom. We know at the end of the day that you are the seed that has gone into the ground. Yea, though a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And we thank you for the fruit of freedom. We thank you for the fruit of grace. We thank you for all of it today. We know that you are working in our nation. You are working. History is your testimony and you are in charge. You are in control. And so we cast our trust and our hope and our faith on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're discussing the prodigal son this morning. I'll do a couple more weeks on the prodigal son. Then we're going to switch series for, uh, for the summer and get ready for the fall. And it's, man, it's been a good season. It's going to get even better. How many of you are believing life is going to get better? Come on, life's going to get better. Uh, we're going to start. I don't know if I have all the verses back there today, but I will start uh, at about verse... At about verse 20, so a little bit of an overlap this morning, verse 20 of Luke 15 says, So he got up and he came to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion for him, and he ran, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God, and I've sinned in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to become your son. Verse 22 but the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and now he has been found and they began to celebrate. Father, today, bless this message, bless the service. And I pray Jesus even as I stand here, that you would work on our prodigal hearts and that you draw close to us and let us have a revelation of who you are, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. All right. So the prodigal son. Uh, last week, we just took the, the broad picture of the prodigal son. One of the most uh, important, I think, parables in scripture, definitely one of the more famous in all of scripture. Jesus has an audience of people that he is dealing with through these parables, at the end of the day, you're looking at, at, a, at a main uh, story here, a, a point. The point is that there are people who are lost and Jesus finds them. How many of you were once lost, but Jesus found you? Come on, all right? How many of you are grateful for the work of God in your life? There's, there is nothing in me that wants to go backwards, the Bible says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And when Jesus began to work in my life, when he started to work in your life, that work was meant to continue forward and not go backwards. That doesn't mean that life isn't going to get difficult or that we might not even become a prodigal in our heart about some area of our life. 
But the truth is that we're supposed to go forward. Now, Jesus dealing with the lost and the found, with the Pharisees and the tax collectors and the people that are sitting there, while he's telling the parable, just remember, as as I preached this morning, that he's looking for a specific response from them. So he's saying things to them that is going to get a response that you and I may not understand unless we dive into it a little bit because he's trying to get them to react to something. And make no mistake about it, Jesus this morning wants a reaction from us. So as he tells the story, he wants us to identify prodigal areas of our life where, where we need to draw closer to God. And what happens is, is that we can go through life and we can have maybe our life is split up into 12, 13, 15 categories. One time I sat down and I wrote down all the different categories of my life. All the different areas where I live and I serve, my family, uh, my finances, my health, my, uh, my ministry, my vocation, all this stuff. I wrote down all these things. And I, my prayer was, Jesus... Help me to bring every single one of these areas under the authority of Jesus Christ. Let me bring every area under your canopy. Because many people live with about two-thirds of their life under the canopy of God's sovereign control. Now the truth is that, that the more you bring your life under the authority of Christ and under the canopy of grace and under the canopy of what God is doing, the more that he can then use that area. But we're human. We're stubborn. We have a bad attitude. We're grumpy. We didn't get our coffee. It has rained 35 days in a row in Colorado. Are you kidding me right now? Does anyone feel that? I drove out this morning and the sun was shining and I saw a cloud coming over Pike's Peak and I just began to rebuke the devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I know it may not even be biblical, but I did it. We're human and we have a hard time bringing different areas of our life under the control and the authority of Jesus Christ because we're human, we're selfish, and we need Jesus. And if any of us ever believe that that we were ever put on this earth to do anything except to serve God and his purposes, then we're deceived. You were born to serve the purposes of God and build his kingdom. You didn't know it, but when you found him, he began to show you. And the more that you put under his authority, the more he begins to use you. And some people never understand the connection between your birth and your purpose. You have one. God God has got his hand on you. He's got his eye on you. He's doing this. So what he's doing right now. You can run, but you can't hide. And in the middle of this relationship, be careful what you ask for because I might just allow it to happen for you. Because at the end of the day, once you find out that your own effort, the way you do things doesn't work, then you'll come running back to me more pliable, more humble, and more ready to serve. That's the prodigal message. Now, there are a lot of different ways we can be prodigal. So before I jump into the verses today, let me give you four. Four prodigal categories this morning that are very, uh, I think they're very prolific in our journey. For every one of us here today, the first one is a prodigal of the heart. You can be a prodigal of the heart where there's no faith. You struggle with your faith. You struggle with what you believe about God. You struggle with with uh, submitting your life or what's, what does salvation mean and what does it mean to serve the purposes of God and, and, and then you hear you go into church and you just get agitated by what you see and what you feel and, and somebody's taking off and you're like they just want my money and all you know then Jesus you know talks about money in the New Testament more than any other subject in scripture he talks about finances but you don't want we don't want to go there because you know where you're 
you know, your heart is and your treasures, all that kind of stuff makes you uncomfortable. And then we want you to serve and then we want you to, to shake hands and then somebody wants you to make coffee and then we want you to go over to the twos and threes and be brave, people, be brave. God has called you. You know, we're talking, talking about the purposes of God and we're like twos and threes. People will come up to me and say, oh, I want to serve anywhere in the church. I go twos and threes. They go anywhere but there. And the twos and threes have, have escaped and they're, they're running through the streets of Denver causing chaos. Nobody feels the purposes of God to be brave. But in our heart, we have a struggle with our faith. We, we, we react, we resist, and we run. We talked last week about how the, one of the themes of the prodigal is, is that when you are running from God, you will pay any price to stay in the lead. And so the prodigal is spending his inheritance as fast as he can, like an anesthetic, a, a placebo, something that makes him feel better, that makes him believe that he's in control and, and that, that he can be his own man and he doesn't need the father and he has his own purpose and he's spending it as fast as he can until he runs out of resources and it's all gone and he ends up working in a pig pen for somebody else and then he comes running home. There comes a point where you run and you run and you run and you get tired and then you walk and then you stop and that the moment that you stop Jesus comes along and he puts his hand on you and he says okay now let's have a talk about you trying to do this under your own strength and your own power and your own authority and your own sovereignty because you can run and you can give everything but you won't be fulfilled Fulfillment is, is what comes when Jesus comes and he fills that little tiny spot in your heart that was reserved only for him. The Bible says that he has put eternity in your hearts, which means that there's a little hole in our heart that is reserved for the Lord Jesus Christ. We will never feel right. We will never feel balanced. We will never feel whole. And then people will run as fast as they can because they don't want to admit that that hole is meant for Jesus. And then one day Jesus comes and he fills the hole and we have a moment of clarity. I'm preaching hard. How's everybody else doing here today? We have a moment of clarity. And so we have these prodigal moments of clarity. I was, uh, you know, I, I, of course, we live in a YouTube culture now, right? Anything you want to see is on, on YouTube. So I have a whole list of YouTube videos that make me cry. And sometimes when I'm being stubborn in my house, Jesus will send me to that file and say, just go in there and watch these and you will be broken and you will cry. And then you will be better in your home and your wife loves you, but she wants you to be broken. And so one of those videos, and I actually have three or four of these, of people who were blind but, or blind and had, had surgeries or people, and now they, they see shapes and they see light or people who were deaf and with the technology that is out today, people are hearing uh, at a whole nother level, people who had never heard before, and I showed one about four years ago, but there's one video, it just blows my mind, where this, this wonderful girl, Christian a girl in her 30s, I believe, she gets a new kind of an implant, and the family's sitting there, and the doctor's there, and he flips the switch, and she freaks out, and she bursts into tears as she hears sound for the first time. 
tears pouring down her face. You know, she can hear and the family's crying. And, and so many of us, when that hole is filled in our life, it's like a moment of clarity. We hear for the first time. You've run as fast as you can. You jogged as fast as you can. You crawled. Your knuckles were bloody. Your knees were bloody. Your shoes were worn out, but you wouldn't stop. But eventually, your human energy, your thought, your mind, your intellect will give out and you will come to a stop and Jesus will be waiting for you when you do. Because he never left. And so we have this, we have this prodigal of our faith, prodigal of our relationship with Jesus, the second one, a prodigal of trust, where trust has been broken. Many people have had their trust broken by a family member, a leader in the church, a best friend, a husband, a wife, a promise that was broken. And I think it's an unfortunate testimony that we have in America that our testimony with marriage or with other things in life is that we've built our whole culture almost on broken promises. Broken lives are the testimony of broken promises. We live in an untrusting society. People do not trust. I can't tell you how many people who have come in and joined the church and I have the same conversation over and over again and I want you to know this morning if this was you or if you're thinking this, I love this conversation. I am not intimidated by this conversation. I welcome it because I know that it could be a key to your heart. They say, I have been hurt by a leader in the church. I couldn't even count at this point how many people it happened this week. Somebody said, we just want to go to a church where the pastors have integrity, the leadership prays, and that there's, a, there's a, an honest, sincere love for people in the church. That's where we want to go because we've been someplace where we were hurt. People are prodigals of their trust, and their lack of trust keeps them from the purposes of God. The next one is a purpose uh, where the heart, with a heart to serve. I've touched on that already, but just a heart to serve. They don't want to serve because they're convinced that if they serve, they're going to get hurt. Or if they serve, they're going to get burned out. Or if they serve, they're going to be used. The church is going to use you for your gift instead of wanting your gift to come to full fruition so that God can use you in the kingdom of God. You know, people don't want to serve because they're weary. Why do you want to serve? Why do you want me to serve? How come you want me to do this? And why is it? Because I know that you're going to start having another meeting and then another meeting and then another meeting and you might as well call the church Pearl Church Meeting Church because now I'm giving Saturdays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Fridays and, and sometimes in the morning and then you're going to want to do men's prayer at 7 a.m. And, and then I, I, I got to get up an hour early and I work all day and all of a sudden people are burned out, people are wiped out. Can I just tell you that when you have a church that has life, there are meetings, but I want you to know that that is not the way the kingdom of God works. That is not how the church is built. The church is built on people who have the peace of God, the rest of God in their spirit, people who know how to schedule, people who actually care about what you do and what you don't do, people who care about how many meetings you have, people for some reason though, they resist and they don't want to serve and they become a prodigal. They will sit in church all over the city. Wow. I am not venting. I am preaching. I am not. My church, this church serves. You serve. I have people who leave our church so blown away. Literally, I, we had all those pastors here two weeks ago. 
I, no one talked about my sermon, and it wasn't that good. Let's just be honest. No, they talked about my wife's sermon. That was life-changing. Awesome. Thanks. Wow. Once again. But they leave. I got phone calls and text messages and emails and Facebooks. Your people were the most serving people that I've ever met. Those pastors weren't impacted by our message as much as they were by your servant heart. But people are prodigals. And then they say, oh, the prodigal of the, prodigal of the peace, distant from God's comfort. Some people live outside of the peace of God. Doesn't matter what you're going through, who you are, what you do for a living, how you live, what you want to do, what you don't want to do. As long as you have the peace of God and the presence of God, For the people of Israel, as long as they they could see the cloud by day and the fire by night, they knew that God's presence was there. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus, grace, the Holy Spirit. We know that he's here right now. We know that he is the cloud by day. He is the fire by night. As long as I have the presence of Jesus in my life bringing me comfort, how many of you know life is not easy? Life can be difficult. But it doesn't matter how difficult it is as long as you have the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne saying, I can help you get through this. Follow me through. Don't make me follow you through because that's the prodigal son. You follow me through this. Let me show you the way. I don't want to live outside of the, the peace of God. When there's been sickness in our family, when there has been little money in the bank, when there have been challenges that we don't think we can overcome on our own, my wife and I, our, our team, we look at each other and we just say, but the peace of God rules and reigns. And he didn't bring us in this far, bring us this far to take us back again. Come on, we're going forward in the name of Jesus. And he's got a plan and he's in our future just as much as he is in our past. He is, he's waiting for us to step out in faith. He's waiting for us to come home to the Father. He's waiting for us to stop on the middle of the Damascus Road when there's no more energy and no more spirit left. He's just waiting for us to stop and to listen and to stop talking because we talk so much. He just wants to speak. He just wants to help. He just wants to be there. The peace of God. Now, for the last few minutes, let's just go to the verse. Let me just kind of pull a few things out for you on on the prodigal son. We know that he was running. We know that he had a moment of clarity in this moment of clarity, Jesus is presenting the story to the, to the listeners. And, and what he's saying is that this boy had a revelation that he had sinned against God and that he had sinned against his father. And he had a revelation that maybe he wasn't worthy. And so he begins this journey back. And now let's look at the journey just for a minute. But remember this, that the bridge between Jesus and the prodigal is the love of the father. It's the love of the father that is the consistent part of the story. It's it's the father never changing. When the son asked for his one-third of the inheritance because the older son would have gotten two-thirds and the younger son would have gotten one-third. And so he asked for his one-third in cash and the father just gave it to him. Said, here it is, take it. The father didn't say, you're a bad son. The father didn't say, I'm going to disown you. The father didn't say, who do you think you are? You're going to get nothing. The father took his inheritance and handed it to him. His love is consistent. His love, because the father knew what was about to happen. Verse 20, so he got up 
And he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father uh, saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So he got up and he came to his father. Notice that the son now is on his way back to the father, but in a different state in which he left. His moment of clarity, something has changed. We take our moments of clarity and we run with it. Notice it says that he got up. Immediately after, while he's in the pen with the pigs, he gets up. He comes to the Father, and this is the picture that Jesus is painting for the listeners. He got up and came as he was. He was dirty. He was covered in mud. He was broken. He was empty. He stunk. He had no shoes. And that is you and me. Come on, somebody. Hey! (laughs) So Jesus says uh, he wants you as you are. The son went right from the pig pen and he turned and he went out of the gate of the pig pen and he just began to walk back from a distant country. He just went just as he is. And so he, he starts the journey and he comes to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now remember, there's Pharisees, Sadducees, tax collectors, people listening. While the father was looking, he saw him. There is this idea that God was waiting. He was waiting for his son to come home. God knew his son would be back. God knows that you're on a journey. And he's watching. And he's waiting. Because one of these days, you're going to, whether it's your life, your faith, your, your, your family, your children, whatever it is that's a prodigal, one of these days, Jesus, who's standing outside, the, the, you know, the, the estate's moving, the cows are being fed, the sheep are being taken care of, and he's just got his eye while he's working. What are you looking at, Dad? Oh, I'm just waiting. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for my son. Well, why are you, why are you, just, 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 no, because he's going to be here at any minute. I know he's on his way. The father knows that you're on your way back. And so he, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him in the distance and felt compassion for him. Now, this word compassion is incredibly important because it's one of the mysteries. The way that this is written, it's kind of a mystery on what Jesus was trying to say, but you have to read it through the language and through the culture. The Greek word here literally means, literally means that the internal organs of his body were experiencing pain. When Jesus sees his, his son come over the, over the top of the hill, his, his, he's so overwhelmed and so overcome by this emotion and this, this joy, but yet this, this compassion. He sees him and his, his body is like his internal organs actually hurt. They're in pain. And then all of a sudden the father explodes into a sprint. And he picks up his robes and he begins to run as fast as he can to meet his son. He's he's bent over. Why is he bent over? Jesus is giving us a picture to understand that the son not only insulted his father, but culturally, I read one commentator say this, that his son, if the father had not intervened, the family, the workers, and the community would have stopped the son and stoned him and killed him for his offense to the father because that was appropriate in the culture. Jesus doesn't just love you. Jesus just doesn't receive you. Jesus sees where you're at. He picks up his robe, which was completely out of context and undignified for a father to run in the robes. And he's bent over with compassion. He rescues you. 
See, so many people want to be received. Jesus just doesn't receive you. He rescues you. His compassion, will, his compassion for you and your circumstance will cause him to be bent over with such a, a heaviness and such a pain, such a, a desire in his heart that he will explode into your world. He will explode and chase you down. That's why when the Bible says you have all these different versions, the father tackles the boy and covers his neck. One verse says covers his neck. The picture is a father who explodes into a sprint to stop the people who should be loving the son from destroying the son. And sometimes it's the people that we think that should be loving us that actually destroyed us. And so it doesn't make any difference or anything to us. Yeah, we're bitter. Yeah, we have issues. Of course we do. Because the people who should love us are the ones who cause us pain. And so the father runs and he jumps over the top of his son. The Bible says he covered his neck and he held out his hand. It's a picture of the father exploding, covering, and telling all the people, no, 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 no. This is my son. And then he says, go get a ring, get the robe, get the sandals. Am I still on number one? My God, help me, Jesus. I'm prodigal with the time. I've left. I've left. How many of you love Jesus with all your hearts? Come on. How many of you love him? No, clap. Come on. How many of you love Jesus this morning? Number two. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy. We touched on this last week. This goes back to one of the earlier verses. The son didn't understand what it meant to be worthy and the son didn't understand what it meant to be a son. The son was the position. The worthiness was just, am I even good enough? Am I even good enough to be here? In Christ, your actions do not make you worthy or unworthy. You see, if Jesus can use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, Jesus doesn't care if you're tall, short, perfect, imperfect, messed up. He doesn't care if your whole life has been great, if you've had no struggles. It doesn't matter to him. He uses whoever is willing. He uses whoever's heart is soft and pliable and moldable in the hand of God. He doesn't look at you. Your worthiness is not based on your mistakes because otherwise it would absolutely uh, uh, take grace and destroy it. Grace says this, that we were all unworthy. We're all in the same place. None of us are worthy to stand in the presence of God except by grace. And so Jesus, the son says, I'm not worthy. He says, yes, you are worthy. You're not worthy because of your actions. You're worthy because, number two, you're my son. And the son represents the purpose. And the purpose, so if, if you don't think you're worthy and if you don't think you have any purpose, I want to declare to you today, you are worthy. You might have a struggle. You might have an issue. But who doesn't? And don't ever let, don't ever feel when you walk into the Pearl Church or any other church that you have to compare yourself amongst yourselves and think to yourself, wow, if I was only like that, if I only knew those people, I could, I could be a part of that team over there. Or, or maybe if I only, you know, knew them all their life. Or maybe I could be in a clique. There's no cliques. We're just swinging for the fences, loving Jesus and seeing people's lives change. See, that we, we get into this thing, your purpose, your usefulness, and your worthiness are not based on your actions. They're based on the consistency of the love of the Father. And if you're a parent, you do have a revelation of this. 
You do. Number three, verse 22, but the father said to the slaves, get the the best robe. The robe represents um, uh, the position. It represents the position. The father was wearing a certain robe as the head of the estate. Certain people wore robes. Go get the robe. This was the position. He immediately restored the position. Now next week, next week, we're going to talk about the other son, the brother, the other prodigal. And the other prodigal had a problem. He had an issue. And I, I'll tell you, it's not, it's not unfounded. It wasn't right, but it wasn't unfounded because everything that the father was doing, this is so incredible to me. Everything the father was doing to this boy, he should have been doing to the firstborn son. To put the robe on him represents that he is the, he is the head or he is equal to the head of the estate. Can you imagine you're the second born, you're the firstborn son, and you see the father out in the middle of a field with a messed up, dirty, out of a pig pen, young man, and your father, you think he's crazy, you think he's lost his mind because he's putting your robe on this boy. And then he says, I want you to go get the ring. So you've got position, you've got the position. The ring represented the authority. He now has the authority of the firstborn son. And then he says, put sandals on his feet. He was barefoot. He literally came back to his father barefoot. So from whatever distant land that he was in, he made that journey without shoes on. Only slaves, only people in the lowest part of that society Those people didn't have shoes. But if you're a part of the family, you had shoes. He says, go, and I want you to put sandals back on his feet. The sandals represent you are in this family. You have authority. You have position. And you are part of this family. Then he goes to to kill the the fatted calf. uh, Number four, verse 23. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. Lost and found death and life and they began to celebrate some people's celebrations drive other people mad some people's celebration vexes other people's spirits and it's not because there's not a celebration waiting for them it's because their hearts are filled with jealousy their hearts are filled with envy their hearts are filled with, with anger. Their hearts are filled with comparison. I mean, I, I, I just have this, and I'll wrap this up right here. I, I just have this, I just have this idea, this, this like biblical, I think, godly desire to see this. That even when you don't get along with someone, or even when something hasn't gone right, that we still under God and as sons and daughters of the Father, we, that we still have the ability to celebrate each other's victories. You know, that if we learn to celebrate each other's victories instead of compare each other's gifts, this church, we would be the happiest, most insane place you've ever seen because we'd be having a party every Sunday. That's what it should be. We should be celebrating. But the, it's the celebration that vexed the older son. And we'll get there next week. But this morning, 
we, we need to celebrate. And we need to celebrate what God is doing. I want to have the band come. And I want, I want to do this. I'm going to pray for some of you here this morning. And then we're going to celebrate. We're going to ask Jesus to do something very specific in your life. I want everyone to go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Go ahead and put everything down. I want you to, to stand to your feet. And um, we're going to sing uh, Unstoppable God again. Can we do that? Can we do Unstoppable God? Uh, I, I want to celebrate with you this morning. But I want to celebrate something specific, something that I believe. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? This morning, if there's an area of your life, maybe it's your life in general and it's an issue of your faith, understood. But if you're here this morning, you've got this area of your life that you know you've been running from God. Some people have been broken, hurt, you don't trust. Some people have had unanswered prayers and they can't quite understand why the prayer wasn't answered. Some people have had leadership in spiritual leadership actually do something that you can't quite seem to break free from. Because then you transfer that offense to God and so you think that God is like that leader. And what we want to do is we want to celebrate the victory of that leader when they get it. But we also want to make sure that we're focused on Jesus and keeping, keeping our focus correct. If you're here this morning and you've got some area of your life, you are on the edge of the field in your life. You are walking towards the Father, eyes closed, heads bowed whether it's a faith issue or some specific area of life, you're on the edge of the field walking towards the Father. Lift your hand. If that's you, lift your hand. And you know who you are, lift your hand. You know it. You know who I'm talking about. God's been speaking to you since the moment that I took the microphone. This is the first song this morning. You know that you need to, to kind of reel it in and, and run and walk and crawl to the Father if that's what it takes. Keep your hands up just for a moment. Let me see who you are this morning. If you're a prodigal in some area of your life, there's hands all around the room. If that's you, lift your hand. Jesus, I pray for these people who have their hands lifted. And God, we've come off the edge of the field. We're meeting you in the middle of the field, in front of the estate, the family, in front of the the community, in front of the the naysayers, the sand balance and Tobias, the negative people in our life, we're meeting you in the middle of the field so that God and everyone can see that I am being restored today. I am being uh, uh, covered by the, the, the robe of the Father today. He is restoring me. He has received me. And even more importantly, he rescued me from myself. Father, this morning, in the middle of the field, we simply say, we celebrate you rest, your rescue and your love and your consistency and your hope. Jesus, we love you today. Thank you, God, for receiving me. I want everyone now, I want everyone, because this is, this is everyone. Put your hand up like this. Close your eyes. And I want you to pray. Everybody put your hand up. Put one hand up in the air like this. And say, Jesus, 
Come on, nice and loud. Jesus, here I am. It's me, the prodigal. I'm just like everyone else. Say this, say, Jesus, right now, in the middle of the field, in front of everybody, I receive the robe, I, re I receive the ring, and I receive the shoes. And Father, I receive your love. In Jesus' name. Now, God, I'm praying that every person, every person here who heard the message and knew the message was for them in one or more areas of their life, whatever it is, that you would, your presence would be with them all day in a tangible way. They wouldn't be able to escape thinking about Jesus and thinking about purpose and thinking about what God's doing in their life. Father, I thank you for them today. And so now we celebrate. We celebrate every broken person. We celebrate every wounded heart. We celebrate every uh, area of our life that's coming to submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. We bring it to you. We submit it to you, Jesus. You're an amazing God. And today we're going to celebrate. Now, church, if we're going to celebrate, there's probably 10 to 12, 13 hands that went up. Here's what we're going to do. I just, I could call you up. I didn't feel that this morning. Instead, I want the community to celebrate what God is doing in their hearts. Come on, somebody. It's a permission party, okay? So I'm going to count to three. And what I do, we're going to celebrate the work of God taking place in the hearts of people. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is alive. Jesus is powerful. Jesus can turn it around. Jesus can touch your mind. Jesus can break you out of your bondage. Jesus can take you and transform you. I have not counted yet, but I can't stop. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, child of Jesus. Tell him you love him this morning. Let's close with a song.